Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Today on the podcast, I'd like to talk with you about uh, what it means to preach effectively uh, on Christmas or at Christmas, or to, beyond preaching, uh, even teach or lead in meaningful Christmas experiences in your church setting. But today, I really do want to focus on preaching about Christmas. And I want to give you some suggestions and a number of illustrations and some examples uh, about how to do that effectively. Uh, The first thing I would say is this. On Christmas, preach about the Christmas story. Now, you may say, well, duh, that's obvious. Well, is it really? I have uh, had a couple of experiences that were not positive, uh, where I dealt with people who were frustrated by their pastor or by their church, uh, for not really fully celebrating Christmas Day or Christmas, the Christmas story or the Christmas season. Uh, one church was in a series of messages, and uh, the pastor felt it was important to stay with that series. And so while they had some acknowledgement that it was Christmas Sunday on the, Christmas, on the Sunday before Christmas, he just carried right on through with his series of messages. Um, and that was not well received. Most people were uh, not only disengaged from his message and the series he was trying to communicate, but were actually frustrated by the fact that no real focus was given to the Christmas story. And then a second negative experience actually happened in my family. A person in our family who really did not go to church, was not a professing Christian, uh, on a Christmas uh, Easter Sunday decided, you know, I, I'd like to go to church and, and celebrate the Christmas, uh, celebrate Christmas. And so she went to church and the pastor, for whatever reason, decided that he wasn't going to preach on the Christmas story that year, and, um, and he didn't. He preached some other kind of message that was probably from the Bible and probably appropriate in some setting, but uh, wasn't anything to do with Christmas. And she later said to me, I was so disappointed. I, I, I'm sure what he had to say was important, but I really didn't know anything about what he was talking about. I, I do know a little bit about the Christmas story, but that's all I really know from the Bible, and I was really hoping to go and and, and learn more about that so I could maybe understand more about what Jesus was all about. So here was an opportunity for a person who really didn't know anything about the message that was preached because she has little or no contact with the Bible, but really was looking for and anticipating maybe I can learn something more about Jesus if I do go to church on, on Christmas because I know that's when they'll be talking about him. So uh, I've had these two experiences, one uh, in dealing with a a church that was frustrated because their leadership decided to basically ignore Christmas uh, during the Christmas season, uh, the Christmas story during the Christmas season, and then the other one where a specific person was uh, really looking for the opportunity to know more about Jesus and thought they would get that as a part of a Christmas experience and was disappointed when that didn't happen for them. So when I say, uh, when it's Christmas, preach about Christmas, don't just dismiss that counsel too quickly, because it is um, tempting to skip Christmas, the Christmas story, or to avoid it, or to uh, somehow feel like that you've just, you're just bored by it, and, and you just don't want to keep repeating it year after year after year after year. Well, resist that temptation. Resist the temptation to skip the story, avoid the story, or be bored by the story, and instead find ways to meaningfully engage the Christmas story during the Christmas season, at least engaging it on the Sunday before Christmas or whatever is Christmas Sunday on your church calendar, 
find a way to engage the Christmas story in a, meaning, uh, in a meaningful way uh, on that Sunday or during the Christmas season. Now, uh, let's talk about how to do that. And I would challenge you with just this one idea, and that is try to preach one new idea about the Christmas story each year. What I'm saying here is alleviate the pressure of trying to come up with something that's never been said before in the history of Christianity about the Christmas story. That is not going to happen, okay? Basically, everyone knows the story. They've heard it a dozen times or a hundred times or a thousand times. You're frustrating yourself if you think that you have to stay in your study until you come up with a Christmas message that no one's ever heard before or a Christmas Bible study that no one's ever thought of before. You're just not going to get that. So instead, try to find one new idea, one new perspective, one new thought that you can preach about in the context of the Christmas story that will bring a freshness or will make alive the story in a way that perhaps it hasn't been uh, to people who've heard it many times before. Now, there's some different ways to go about this. Let me give you a couple suggestions. Uh, First of all, Uh, One way to do this is to alternate the years that you preach from the Christmas story between the two different versions of those stories in Matthew and Luke. Uh, You can go back and forth. Uh, You don't have to always preach it from the one version. You can use use, uh, one one year and one the next year, or you can kind of go back and forth between the two. Uh, And by doing that, you get the different perspectives on different aspects of the story. And so that's one way to bring some freshness to it and to alternate in your years of preaching so that you have a different perspective on the issue. Uh, Another way to do it is to um, each year preach on the Christmas story from uh, uh, the perspective of a different person in the story. So that one year you preach on the story as it was experienced by Joseph and then another year as it was experienced by Mary. Perhaps another year as it was experienced by the shepherds. Another year as it was experienced by the angels. You get the idea. Uh, One year for Christmas, I actually preached um, on the Christmas story the four weeks leading up to Christmas Day uh, by preaching on the, the, the story as viewed by these different groups or individuals. And so I had a message about the shepherds and one about the angels and one about Joseph and then finally the one about Mary. And so in doing that, even during a Christmas season, I was able to look at the story from four different perspectives by simply focusing on the texts of Scripture that describe how these four different groups experienced the birth of Jesus. So you could do it that way, or you could do it where you just preach one uh, perspective uh, from, uh, you know, on Christmas Sunday and spread that over a number of years. Now that raises the question, when I'm trying to preach, preach this one new idea, do I have to limit that to one sermon, or should I try to preach multiple sermons, or, or, or just what should, that, what, what should that look like? Well, I've done it both ways, and frankly, I think both ways can be effective. Um, I have preached in a series of messages that was not related to Christmas or the Christmas story and ended that uh, the week before Christmas and then come back on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, uh, both of those, and preached Christmas-themed messages. I've also uh, done it where after Thanksgiving, starting with the first Sunday of Christmas, I've preached a Christmas-themed message all the way through every Sunday uh, with different perspectives or different ideas or sometimes uh, building the story week by week toward the Christian 
crescendo on Christmas Day. Now, um, I've done that both ways, and I think both ways are effective. What I advise you not to do is what I've already covered in point one of the podcast, and that is I would advise you not to skip it entirely. Uh, I don't think that's wise, and I don't think that's helpful. I think it's better to find that one new idea that you can communicate in the one message or uh, a one new idea that you can carry as a theme over the multiple messages leading up to Christmas. Now, you uh, may also, some churches, of course, do Advent, and they have a multi-week uh, part of the service that isn't necessarily directly tied to the sermon, and I've done that also both ways. I've tied the Advent uh, candles and the Advent uh, you know readings into the sermon and carried it week by week by week, and I've also done the Advent aspect of the service independently, preached on something else entirely, and then just come back on Christmas and preached on the Christmas story on Christmas Day. So I don't think these things have to necessarily be tied completely together. I think they can be complementary, and I think they can work together. But again, uh, release yourself from the pressure of thinking that in order to preach effectively on Christmas, you have to come up with something that's never been said before in the history of Christianity, and just ask ask God instead to give you one new idea, or one fresh idea, or one way of saying something that you've not said before, and then let that be the freshness that comes to the very familiar story that's at Christmas. And like I said, uh, you can do that from different perspectives by different uh, people or individuals or groups that are in the story. You can do it by alternating between the different gospel accounts. Uh, There are different ways to get at getting this one new idea out there, Uh, and, and that's just a couple of suggestions. All right, here's a third idea, and that is on Christmas, don't be negative or prophetic or use Christmas Day as the time to critique people for their uh, materialism or their greed or their shallowness. That is not the time to do it. Um, There is a time to preach in a prophetic way and to confront people with their sin. You certainly, in American culture, should be willing to and should confront people with their sins of materialism and greed. Uh, There certainly is every reason to confront people for their shallowness about how they relate to God and relate to the things of God. But Christmas Day is not the day for those sermons. Uh, Christmas Day is the day to be positive, to be specific, to be clear, and to communicate the gospel message of Jesus Christ, why he came, what his coming means, and why his coming can be significant in the life of every person who's hearing the message. It's a great day for evangelistic preaching in the sense that you're communicating the story of Jesus and the gospel that results from his life. That is important to be accomplished on Christmas, but to preach negatively or prophetically or to in somehow to somehow use Christmas Day as a day to condemn or to berate or, or, or to in some way speak negatively about the joy of the experience, that, that is contradictory to what needs to happen on Christmas Day. Take your cue from Christmas music. Christmas music is some of the best music that's ever written in the history of the church because it communicates so clearly about the message of Jesus and about the gospel. But the tone, the perspective, uh, the, 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 uh, the lyrics of Christmas music tends to be joyful, uplifting, uh, devotional, and personal, and make your preaching uh, the same way. So we're going to preach about Christmas, try to preach one new idea a year, and try to avoid the negative. Those are three steps to preaching effectively at Christmas. But now the fourth one, I want to talk maybe the most about this one and give some illustrations, is this. Don't be afraid to be creative at Christmas. Christmas is a good time to try something new. 
Now, it's a good time to be creative and try something new for at least a couple of different reasons. First of all, uh, it's a good time to be creative and to do something different because if you fail, it's Christmas. People will be forgiving. <laughs> now, I am not a huge risk taker when it comes to preaching. I, I am a pretty disciplined, routine kind of speaker. I like to read the Bible. I like to give exposition of the text. I then give application and illustration, and I move on uh, to the next part of the text. And that's kind of how I preach. But on Christmas, I found that I was able to take risks and do things that were outside the norm. And in doing so, sometimes I was really successful and sometimes not so much. But people seemed to always appreciate the creative effort and were very uh, forgiving, if, you'll, if I can say it that way, and very tolerant, if I can say it that way, of what I was trying to do. And then, not only is Christmas a good time to be creative because people are more, uh, just more in a more generous spirit and a little more willing to work with you on something, but it's also a good time to be creative because many people who will come to hear you speak already know the story. They already know the story. So you don't have to worry so much about getting the content across like you do most Sundays when people don't know the Bible as well and the various sections of it that you may be using in preaching. And and you can instead focus not just so much on getting the content across, but it's communicating meaning and communicating with a powerful mental or emotional image or connection, the real, con the real power or the real connection of the text to their lives. So that's a couple of reasons why creativity maybe is a little easier at Christmas or a little better at Christmas, because people are tolerant and generous and a little more forgiving if it doesn't go quite as you'd hoped. And then second, uh, people already know the content, and so you can aim for something else, which is more of a heart-to-heart -heart connection with the message than maybe a head-to-head -head connection that you're trying to make most other Sundays. So let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about. And these are things I've done while I was in pastoral ministry that were effective ways to uh, creatively uh, communicate uh, on Sundays in preaching about the Christmas story. Uh, one Sunday, for example, I had a large Christmas tree on the stage, and under that tree I had seven or eight boxes that were wrapped. I'd wrap them carefully. Uh, they were boxes that had no lid on them, but when you wrapped them, of course, they looked like they were, uh, they, were, they were enclosed. So that when you tore the wrapping paper off, you could actually look into the box. And so what I did was I took six or seven boxes and I uh, wrote uh, sermon notes on cards and I taped them into the bottoms of the boxes. And the sermon notes were on the theme, Gifts God Gives, uh, at Christmas, our gifts God gives to us. And so, of course, he gives us the gift of salvation. He gives us the gift of Jesus. He gives us the gift of eternal life. You know, I just went through the New Testament, simple word search. Uh, what are some gifts or the things that God has given us? And I, I made a list of six or seven. I wrote uh, the scripture verse and two or three key ideas I wanted to make about that verse on a, note, on a note card or a piece of paper, and I taped it into the bottom of the box. Then I had the boxes wrapped and placed under the Christmas tree. So on Sunday morning, I stood up and said something like this. Uh, welcome this morning to our Christmas service, and particularly this time of looking into God's Word to rediscover the Christmas story and the gifts God has given us at Christmas. Well, most of you know the story, but let me read it briefly. And then I read uh, the story of uh, the, the Christmas story from one of the Gospels. I said, this is, of course the example of God giving us the great gift of his son Jesus at Christmas. But beyond that great gift, Christmas has made a number of other gifts possible for us. 
And those gifts are signified by these gifts that are under this tree here on the platform with me. And today, uh, I'd like to ask for some helpers to open these gifts that God has given us at Christmas. Now, I had already determined uh, the names of six or seven children that were in the worship service, and I had them listed there on a, on a piece of paper on the platform. And so I said, um, I'd like to invite Sarah to come up to the platform with me and help me select a gift that God has given us for Christmas. And a little girl stands up in the audience and walks up on the platform with me, and I say, pick out a gift, any gift, and let's open it. So she picks out a gift and opens it. I said, just tear the paper off and then hand it to me. And she did and handed me the box. And I said, okay, thanks. You can sit down now. Let's see what we got. And I read, oh, God has given us the gift of salvation. And I read a scripture passage, and I explained that to the congregation. And then I said, now, that's one gift. Let's see if we can receive another one. How about Tommy? Would you like to come up here and help me? So little Tommy comes up on the stage. And I said, pick out a gift, and let's see what God has given us. And he picks out one, opens it, and of course I read, God has given us the gift of eternal life. What does that mean? And I read the scripture, and then I explain that. And I work my way through six or seven gifts. And each one explaining a passage of Scripture, what that passage means, and how we can receive that gift from God. Now, this is just topical preaching is what it is. I'm simply asking, I'm simply taking as my topic that God has given us gifts in, uh, through Jesus Christ. I've introduced the idea by reading the Christmas story. Now I'm amplifying the idea or expanding the idea by opening up these seven boxes, reading a passage of Scripture which describes a gift that God has given us, and then explaining to the congregation how they can personally receive that gift. By involving children in the story, I have brought the entire congregation into the message. And they're wondering who's going to be called on next. And the children are getting the opportunity to come up on the platform, to participate in the service, to be a part of what I'm communicating, to stand there with me and to feel a part of the Christmas story. It was a beautiful and good way of communicating Christmas and the Christmas story in a creative and very simple and very inexpensive way uh, on a Sunday morning. Okay, here's another example. <clears throat> I uh, had to do a little work to put this one together, but I decided that I would pre uh, preach through the Christmas story by building a manger scene on a table on the platform. And I had the table just slightly angled uh, facing the audience, but not, not really very much, just slightly angled facing the audience. And, and I said, uh, uh, now this morning, um, I'm going to tell you the Christmas story and help you understand what happened when God sent Jesus to be with us. And I said, it all started with a place for Jesus to be born. And I lifted up from behind the table and sat on the table a large, uh, you know, uh, 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 cave-like, you know, barn-like structure that I had uh, that I had prepared for the, or that I had uh, obtained for that for, to use for that morning. Now, where did I get all this stuff that I'm going to use? Well. I went to a number of women in the church and said, hey, listen, I need to borrow your manger scenes for Sunday. Now, I don't need the crystal one. I need the one people can handle and touch and play with. And so I gathered up a bunch of these. <clears throat> and as people were coming in on Sunday, and our church attendance at that time was about 200. As people were coming in on Sunday, I told the greeters, now everyone under 12 years old, give them one of these figurines. And I gave out dozens of animals and, sh and angels, and I gave a bunch of shepherds, and I gave... Uh, the wise men, and I gave um, 
uh, a Mary and a Joseph and a Jesus. Now, I picked out the children. I wanted to get Mary, Joseph, and Jesus because, you know, that's getting kind of to the climax of the message, and I wanted to be sure I had responsible kids who would participate in a good way. But the rest of them, I just told the ushers, make sure all these things get handed out. So I got up there on Sunday, and I said, now, I want to tell you the Christmas story, and it starts with a place for Jesus to be born. And I lifted up from behind the table this large manger barn-like uh, contraption and set it down on the table and said, this is representing where Jesus was born. And then I started working my way through who was involved. I said, well, of course, we're in a, main, we're in a stable here. And so, of course, the stable must have had some animals. If you have an animal, would you like to come and bring it to the manger scene? And a dozen or more children around the room, you know, got up and started walking forward. And I said, just bring them up on the stage. That's okay. Just come up here with me and place your animal here wherever you'd like for it to be. All right, that's great. Now let's all go back and be seated. And then I talked about the place where Jesus was born. And I read that part of the scripture and I talked about the uh, humility of Jesus and why this place was so significant and what it means for us. And then I said, now, uh, there were also some other people that were involved in this. And these were some guys uh, named shepherds. Uh, who has some shepherds they can bring to the platform? And then who has the angels? And who has the wise men? And who has Mary? And who has Joseph? And who has Jesus? And obviously, the manger scene we know is not an exactly accurate portrayal of how the birth of Jesus narratives are relayed in Scripture, but I was able to point that out and talk about how we were conflating the stories just a bit, uh, having the birth of Jesus and the wise men at the same time, but really there was some distance in time there, and we know that, but we kind of put the whole picture together. But the the idea was I built the manger scene by allowing children to bring items to the platform and help me to build this tabletop manger scene. And at each part of the story, I was able to read the scripture and, and, and talk about what it meant and make application of it and explain the scene as we were developing it. And over about a 20, 25-minute period, I had every child in the service on the stage at least once bringing up to the front the, the, uh, the uh, figurine they had been handed by an usher as they arrived. And it was kind of an interesting manger scene because it was kind of a montage. You know, we had, we had some wooden figures. We had some, uh, some ceramic figures. We had some cloth figures. We had some tall ones. We had some short ones. But it was kind of beautiful how it all kind of flowed together. And again, uh, very inexpensive to do, uh, required only the preparation of getting about a, uh, you know, 50 different items that we could hand out to children as they came in on that morning and getting the ushers trained or the greeters trained to do that. Uh, and it required the preparation of me getting with four or five women who had multiple manger scenes and borrowing the right ones that we wouldn't be able to damage or destroy, but we could use in the service. And then picking out the children I wanted to bring forward, Mary and Joseph and Jesus, because that was getting to the heart of the message. And I wanted to make sure I didn't have a distraction there. And by choosing, you know, responsible, a little bit older children who would do that. But I had, I had uh, uh, just uh, strong participation, strong ownership, strong emotional connection from the audience and from the, connect, from the, from the uh, children particularly because they saw this being formed in front of them and they all got to be a part of it. And then another one. Um, while I was a pastor, I noticed that we had a woman in our church who had this fantastic village scene that she would create um, in her um, in her house every year. And this woman had over a hundred ceramic village. Uh, buildings that she used to create this magnificent Christmas display in her home. So I asked her one year, I said, could I borrow six or seven of these for the Christmas message at church? She's like, what, what do you want to do with that? And I said, well, if you'll just trust me, all I want to do is be able to create a village on the stage 
um, and talk about it in relationship to the Christmas story. So she said, okay, I, I'll trust you with that. So we picked out the ones I wanted. I wanted a schoolhouse. I, I wanted a factory. Uh, you know, I wanted uh, uh, one that she had was like a gym. I, I wanted a, a, a train station, a transportation center, that kind of thing. So I picked out these six or seven buildings that represented different facets of life. And on Christmas morning, I said, uh, this morning I want to talk with you about what it means when Jesus comes to your house. We know Jesus came a long time ago to a manger in a stable uh, to a couple named Mary and Joseph. And we remember that story this morning, and let me read it and talk about it just for a minute. And so I did that. And while I was reading and talking about it, I just had a simple little small manger scene display there on a table in front of me on the platform. And I said, that's the story of how Jesus came uh, into the world as we know it. But now I want to make that more specific to you this morning. And I want to talk about what it's like when Jesus comes not to a place long ago, but when he comes to live at your house right now. What does that look like, and what does it mean in our world today? And so I brought up a house, and I set it on the. I had it behind the table, and I lifted it up, and I put it down. This ceramic house, and I said, "This is a house. It's a house that represents the house you live in, and it's the house. It looks a lot like some of the houses in our community." And I talked about what it means when Jesus comes to live in your life personally, when Jesus comes to live in your house. And I said, then, once that happens, you find out that Jesus wants to affect all of your life and go with you when you leave your house to other places in our world. And I've lifted up a gymnasium, and I put that up, and I said, this building is a gym. It's where people go to work out and recreate and get healthy. And I said, Jesus wants to go to the gym with you. And when he's there, he wants to meet people and he wants you to befriend them and he wants you to build relationships with them. And I said, then here's another opportunity that Jesus can go with you. And I lifted up that factory and I put it on the stage and I, on the, pla on the table. And I said, this is, um, this is Jesus going to work with you. And he wants to go there and impact people by your integrity and by the way you conduct your business and the way that you represent him in honest transactions. And I talked about what Jesus looks like when he goes with you to work. And so I had Jesus coming to your house and then going to the gym with you and going to work with you. And then I said, and then Jesus likes to go with you wherever you are. And I said, this train station typifies that. He goes with you wherever you travel and with whatever you do. And so uh, you can't uh, be a Christian just in your hometown. Wherever you go, you have to act like him and live like him and carry his values. With you. you get the idea. So I created a village on a table on the platform around this original manger scene. And I said, Jesus came a long time ago, but Jesus still wants to come into your life today. He wants to come to your house. And when he comes to your house and lives with you, changes you, and then goes with you, he wants to go to these other places. And I talked about each one of them and the implication that has in our lives. Now, that one, I did not use anyone else because these ceramics were kind of, uh, you know, delicate a little bit and valuable. I didn't have anybody bring them up on stage or anything like that. I just did it all myself. But nevertheless, by the symbolic movement of the uh, village into place, uh, people were engaged. So when I say to be creative at Christmas, uh, these are some of the things I've done. Uh, I did this unwrapping of boxes and engaged children in helping me with that. I did the building the manger scene and had children engage with me in that. I did the creating a village, and while I didn't have anyone physically engaging with me, just the fact of building this thing on this table on the platform helped people to see and to interact with what I was doing in a fresh way. 
Now, there's other ways to be creative. I know people who've done character messages where they come out on stage dressed up like Mary or Joseph. Um, you know, I certainly get that. Uh, I don't really uh, know how I would do that. That's not something I feel like I'd be good at, so I'm not saying that I've ever done that. But I'm saying it can be done, and I, I would say that's another way uh, to be creative. Uh, there's also all kinds of creative things that can be done with uh, technology um, and with uh, use of video, and, and I appreciate those things, but sometimes those are beyond uh, what some churches can afford or what they have the technological capability to do or just have the expertise to develop. So if you can do those things, that's great. Go ahead. That's fine. But I'm talking about some simple things that I've just described that really virtually cost nothing except the time and creativity to put them together in advance. So Christmas, you're going to get to preach on it in a few weeks. So remember, preach about Christmas. Just try to preach one new idea. Don't go negative. That's not the day for it. And then finally, don't be afraid to be creative, to try something you've never done before, to do it in a way you may have never done before. Expand your horizons a bit and see how God might use you in ways you never anticipated. Well, thanks for listening. It's Christmas. It's coming soon. You may have the opportunity to preach on it or lead a Bible study about it or teach on it in some context. Don't be afraid to be creative. Lead on. <laughs>